All right, podcast rolling. And how's everybody doing in podcast world? Get going here. Uh, I got about a. I got plenty of time. I've got a seven-minute video clip of a nurse uh, who answered the call to go to New York City at the start of the pandemic, and she is um, a nurse that went on TikTok and not making funny, cutesy, dancey videos, but um, went viral crying, saying they're killing my patients, and she testifies that she's testifying before Congress in this, and she's getting a lot of cheers from other nurses that were there uh, in Congress uh, and had served on the front lines in New York in the early days of the pandemic when the emergency bells were going off and we need more nurses in New York and this and that. Um, So contrary to popular belief or disbelief or lie, you know, uh, a lot was done to help people early on in the pandemic. And uh, this nurse exposes that they were using experimental medications like remdesivir and a couple other things. Uh, instead of, you know, treatments that were known to work, uh, you know, and she was just a nurse, she couldn't override the doctors, blah, blah, blah. She talks about, you know, they were ventilating people too quickly, uh, just different stuff that uh, went on behind the scenes that basically it seemed like people were being experimented on. Uh, instead of being treated. Um, so I'll roll this and play it for a minute while I kick back here in the shadows. This is Americana, the American way. I am Big John. Find me on Gab, Getter, and Twitter at the real underscore Big John. On Parlor at the real Big John. And on all the social media and podcast platforms as well, or all the podcast platforms as well as Rumble, uh, the channel is Americana, the American way. Uh, after this nurse does her seven minute talk, I'm going to take a break and then uh, talk about the Fed Federals uh, investigating. Uh, electors that were certified in the 2020 election that uh, they're lying and calling fake electors. Uh, And then I got some uh, non-political things like Peter Dinklage is pissed off at Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Um, America's oldest food chain is changing its ways for the uh, Omicron (laughs) variant, which if you're going to get COVID, Omicron is the one you want to get because it's weak and it uh, boosts boosts your immune system. So, what the hell ever. Just listen to what this nurse says. And it'll sum up how how and why a lot of us feel the way we do about this virus and pandemic. Plandemic. Here she goes. God bless her little heart. Uh, Nicole. Uh, her name's Nicole. Let me make sure I got this right. Nicole. Do, 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 do. 
Do 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 do. Nicole Sir Suratek. S I R O T E K. And she was brought to Congress by Senator Ron Johnson, Republican of Wisconsin. And he's also kind of a whistleblower because he's a doctor. And he was the first one to tell everybody that death certificates were being fudged to say people died of COVID when they really died of something else. Anyways, take it away, Nicole. Maybe. Thank you, Senator, for giving me an uninterrupted opportunity to represent the harm that is coming to the patients in the American hospitals and the lack of early intervention. My name is Nicole Sirotek. I'm a registered nurse. I've been... Lack of early intervention, like early treatment with ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. A registered nurse for over a decade. My specialty is critical care, trauma, and flight. Um, since the start of the COVID pandemic, I've actually been rebranded, I guess you can say, as a leading expert in early intervention strategies executed on a large mass scale using the FLCCC protocol, as well as um, ventilator, uh, COVID patient ventilator protective strategies to optimize uh, COVID patients on the ventilators. My story actually begins back in May of 2020. I was one of the original nurses that went to NYC to help with the COVID pandemic because as we remembered, they needed nurses. Most importantly, they needed ventilators. Well, I was the whole package, a flight nurse that can manage ventilators. And when I arrived there, um, the gross negligence and the medical, you know, malfeasance that happened in there and the complete medical mismanagement of these patients is what had led a, has led us to the situation that we're in right now. The pandemic and the hysteria that was created from poor public health measures and poor execution of appropriate early intervention strategies and the handicapping of medical professionals doing their job has led to where we are right now and into the crisis situation that we are in. I will use some several key case studies that will represent larger uh, descriptive statistical information for what I'm going to speak of. But when I was in New York, and what continues to happen today is that many of them are not dying from COVID. Now, many people don't know about me is that I'm actually a master's prepared biochemist, and I have worked extensively with the HIV uh, virus tracking uh, genetic mutations. So I feel very comfortable going toe-to-toe with some of these doctors here, although I am not a doctor. I'm just a nurse. But what we saw in these front lines, we knew what was happening. And when we asked for the ibuprofen, they said, no, it was contraindicated. When we asked, like, why aren't we giving them steroids? Oh, well, it's not. We're just following orders. Following orders has led to the sheer number of deaths that has occurred in these hospitals. I didn't see a single patient die of COVID. I've seen a substantial number of patients die of negligence and medical malfeasance. Um, when I was on the front lines of New York, I'm unfortunately known uh, globally viral as the nurse that was in the break room sobbing, saying that they were murdering my patients. The pharmaceutical companies had gone into those hospitals and decided to um, practice. Big Pharma buying off doctors and politicians yet again. I guess you can say. On, on the minorities, on the disadvantaged, on the marginalized populations that we know that we had no advocates for because the very agencies that should have been protecting them were closed because we were sheltering in place. Now, while I was there and I saw that the pharmaceutical companies were rolling out remdesivir onto the patients, I tried to get a hold of the IRBs. I tried to get a hold of my appropriate chain of command. I tried CMS. I tried Department of Health. And they rolled out remdesivir onto a substantial number of patients for which we all saw it was killing the patients. And now it's the FDA-approved drug that is continuing to kill patients in the United States. As nurses, we've co- collected a statistical or descriptive amount of information that you may not get from the doctors because for more, they do quantitative data. We do qualitative data with a humanistic, phenomenological approach. 
in nursing research. And so we've collected the data from all of these patients across the country from which we have been helping patients because I formed the organization American Frontline Nurses and the Advocacy Network so nurses could advocate for these patients. And all of this data pool shows that as these patients get remdesivir, they have a less than 25% chance of survival if they get more than two doses. Now they're rolling it out on children as well and into the nursing homes or school nursing facilities as early intervention when as Dr. Pierre Corey and Dr. Merrick have already demonstrated that there are cost-effective medications out there and we are going to see the amplification of death across our country. And we haven't even touched on the vaccines for which all of our expert panels have already very well described that situation. So I won't touch on that since many of them are by far superior to me than, than even I could ever hope to be. But I can tell you that Two days ago, I, f I flew out my first 10-year-old with a heart attack, and I had to fight the doctor in the ER because he's like, 10-year-olds don't have heart attacks. And I argued back and forth for 30 minutes to force his hand to get an EKG to find out that he was had almost a complete STEMI, which is ST-elevated myocardial inf infarction, for which you could see it lit up on the 12-lead EKG. And he's like, well, that's not possible. And I'm like, well, he was just vaccinated yesterday. It is very much possible. At any given time, people are getting a hold of me and the nurse advocates at American Frontline Nurses to help advocate because, as you've seen, there is victim shaming that, it de oh, it's anxiety, oh, it's this. But in actuality, if they put down that it was a vaccine injury, the physician, the corporation, the hospital, the clinic, they actually won't get reimbursed, so it gets labeled as anxiety or neuropathy or Guillain-Barre syndrome when in actuality it's very realistically a vaccine injury. Now I'm not, uh, even though I founded American- now, Did you hear that? She said if somebody has a child, whatever, has a heart attack from getting the jab, the vaccine, the hospital does not get reimbursed for giving the vaccine. So therefore, big pharma, the hospitals, money talks, your health walks. American frontline nurses, I've traveled extensively to South America, India, and South Africa, working in hot zones, stopping the spread of the virus, and working with early intervention. And nowhere in those countries, in developing nations, do I see these issues that we see here in the United States. It's actually, I'm a very proud American citizen. I come from a family of immigrants, and my mother told me that the United States is the, the best country in the world, though granted I am biased being an American. And our level of healthcare has been deteriorated to substandard third world nation healthcare, whereas I tell people you are better off in South America in a field hospital than you are in level one trauma designer hospitals in the United States. As nurses, we are getting reports across the country from our American frontline nurses about patients not getting food, patients not getting water. How come a patient hasn't been fed in nine days? Why do I need to get a court order to force a hospital to feed a person who isn't intubated and who's literally telling you they would like food? Oh, well, you can't take your BiPAP mask off. Well, that's what us nurses are for. We're going to help you take that off and we're going to help you eat, but we're not allowed to. If you know if they're on a ventilator, they're not getting basic standards of care. I've had patients that haven't been bathed, haven't been fed, haven't been given water, haven't been turned. And if you ask me, this isn't a hospital. This is a concentration camp. Absolutely it is. Nowhere in the United States do we isolate people for hundreds of hours at a time with no human contact. It's not even allowed in the prisons. You are not allowed to isolate a prisoner for beyond a certain extensive amount of time because it is, again, it is horrible for their mental health and is considered inhumane. However, in these hospitals now, we're allowed to isolate patients from their families for days and you have to say goodbye to them over an iPhone as Jennifer Bridges has just demonstrated to us or she has to shuttle people in to see. And personally, I was fired for sneaking a Hispanic family in to say the last rites to their family. And so thank you, Senator Johnson, for giving nurses the opportunity to come and represent our patients. Because as you can see, we're not often thought of as uh, leading professionals, though we are the missing link between the doctors and the patients. So thank you so much for this time. Okay.
Thank you for being a nurse. Oh, snap. She just let the cat out the bag, dog. She just told the truth. I'll play that again at the end of the video and podcast uh, without my couple little interruptions there. But, uh, yeah. Americans ain't getting shit out their government, out of their hospitals, which we entrust with our health care, because big pharma and big bucks, pardon me, big buck, shit, big bucks, big bucks, no whammies, controls the system back momentarily. So, we got this fake January 6th committee, and I'm only going to talk about this briefly, because I already covered it in a previous podcast and video, but you're going to hear more and more about this, because they're trying to frame up Republicans because uh, Democrats are retiring or not running for re-election in droves this 2022 election cycle so they need to go after the republicans that certified alternative sets of electors the seven states that were in question where there were voting irregularities ballot dumps ballot harvesting uh mail-in ballots with no signatures, no identification, uh, possibly forged ballots with forged signatures uh, that were submitted and counted. Now, it's too late to undo the 2020 election, but there's a big push by state legislatures to assure that... What uh, organizations like the Mark Zuckerberg and whoever his wife is foundation do not interfere in state elections again. There's also a push to get rid of these Republican congressmen, state legislators that uh, backed Trump, backed fair elections. Uh, say, for example, the Pennsylvania legislature, which is Republican-controlled, but the statewide offices, which do not have power or authority over the running of the elections or the laws that govern elections, uh, the governor of Pennsylvania has to give permission for the legislature to have an emergency session. Pennsylvania's Republican legislature wanted to certify a second set of electors to go to Washington so that if it was proven that Pennsylvania's election was stolen or that, well, stolen. then they could switch out the Biden electors and put the Trump electors in. Uh, But this is, you're being lied to, and the fake January 6th panel is uh, pushing this narrative, and the fake Department of Justice, uh, under one of the most crooked political hacks in history uh, is going to run this through the ringer and try to make Republicans look bad in the in the media and their friends in the mainstream media are going to go along with it uh, so that they can hurt Republican chances in the midterm elections So, uh, U.S. of A. Today, the newspaper, uh, the headline is, Feds looking at fake 2020 elector certificates 
for potential criminal charges, DOJ official says. Uh, Washington, D.C. The Justice Department is weighing whether to press criminal charges against over fake electoral college certifications in the 2020 election. Deputy Attorney General Lisa Monaco told the Clinton News Network on Tuesday. Our prosecutors are looking at those, and I can't say anything more about ongoing investigations because it's bullshit. It's a lie. It's a fib. It's a fairy tale. It's fake. Just as fake as the CNN news, just as fake as this January 6th committee, this neglect committee of political shills and hacks like uh, Liz Cheney, uh, and all anti-Trump people, whether they're Democrat or Republican, on this committee. So here we go. Disputes about the about state electors were at the heart of former President Donald Trump's attempt to thrall the counting of the Electoral College votes January 6th when a mob ransacked the Capitol and temporarily halted the count. Uh, yeah, the, the, the mob, whether they were disgruntled, dis- misguided Trump supporters, the buffalo-dressed shaman weirdo, uh, and government provocateurs that agged on the misguided... Um, they did disrupt the count and undermine the Republican attempts to get the truth out uh, publicly on national television as the Electoral College count was going on. So, they basically undermined their own cause, or maybe they were there to disrupt the cause, stop the cause, fight the fight, fight the bad fight against the good fight that the rest of us were trying to fight. That doesn't make any sense. (laughs) The Justice Department charged more than 725 people with participating in the January 6th attack. Now, 725 people that's a mob, but out of 750,000 to a, up to a million people, it's, estimates vary, but it, it was three quarters of a million people at least there to support President Trump. You may have been lied to and told 81 million people <laughs> voted for Joe Biden, uh, but... 725 is not a big percentage of the three quarters of a million that were there to support the former president. Uh, A House committee on is investigating Trump's role in the riot because he spoke at the rally near the White House before his supporters laid seat. We don't know that they were all Trump supporters. Some some of them were. Some of them were Antifa dressed in their head-to-toe black masks and black hoodies. We saw videos of Antifa uh, talking about this is what you wear to the Capitol tomorrow. Uh, We have people on video... uh, were agging Trump supporters to go into the Capitol and the Trump supporters are yelling, no, no, he's a Fed, he's a Fed, because they know what a federal agent provocateur looks like. Nonetheless, whoop, skipped too, skipped down too, too quickly. Um, 
The fake certifications which falsely declared Trump the victor in several states that Joe Biden won were sent to the National Archives by Trump's allies in mid-December 2020. Like I said, here's the truth about it. The state legislatures of the seven states, Wisconsin, Michigan, Michigan, I mean, uh, Nevada, New Mexico, Georgia, Pennsylvania, and I forget the other one. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Uh, some of their state legislatures uh, or the Republic are all of their state legislatures are Republican controlled. The Constitution gives the legislature the power over the state elections. Okay. They certified a second set of electors so that if it was proven that there irregularities and uh, miscounting of mail-in ballots that were as widespread and could be proven, they automatically had the second set of electors to go to Washington for Trump. These were not fake electors. These were not fake certifications. Uh, I'm sure they talked to their legal counsels and they had every right to do this. These electors were never counted. They did not cause any problems. They were just on standby in case things changed and it was proven that the voting machines on a massive level miscounted votes. If it was proven that on a massive level that there were ballots scanned that should not have been scanned, that were illegal, that didn't match up with what was in the poll books. Okay? That's the truth of the matter about these alternative electors. They're not fake electors. They were alternates sent in case the truth came out and it was proven the election was stolen. That's that. The Department of Justice is blowing smoke up everyone's ass, and the media and the fake January 6th neglect committee is helping this smoke get blown up your ass so they can hurt the Republicans in the 2022, this year's, midterm elections and then hurt Trump eventually in 2024. The end. Amen. Hallelujah. Holy poop. Where's the Tylenol? So some stuff that's not political. Uh, there's a very famous uh, dwarf actor Little, I don't, little per, I don't like the word little person. He's a fucking midget. That's what they were called my whole life. It's not a derogatory term. I don't know why we have to say little people. My whole life, children were little people. But anyways, Peter Dinklage is a pretty cool guy. He's in uh, one of my favorite Christmas movies, Elf. And uh, as you, you may or may not have seen in his, uh, his brief appearance in the movie, uh, but Buddy, uh, Will Ferrell's character, keeps referring to uh, him as an elf. Uh, what do you Plays Miles Garrett? Miles. Miles something. Miles Finch. That's his character's name in Elf. And 
I guess he, he feels like in real life Peter Dinklage feels like he's done a lot for the uh, dwarfism movement uh, acceptance of dwarf actors which I never knew they weren't accepted uh, he's in that uh, move, uh, TV show I don't know if it's still on or not Game of Thrones and he's done a lot of other movies too um, but anyhow let me read into this and this is stupid I think it's just plain stupid I've nobody's ever in my recollection uh, I mean everybody gets bullied everybody gets picked on I get shit to this day because when I'm not doing these podcasts and videos I'm a very internal person I'm very quiet I'm a big person which is I'm tall is what I'm saying and it's intimidating to people and they take my quietness as arrogance or they take it as weakness or, or you know I get all kinds of different sides and because I'm a nice person uh, I, because I can become an emotional guy um, I catch shit from people <laughs> And it's very frustrating that in my 40s, I'm getting shit from other 40-year-olds that I got in elementary school and high school from, you know, uh, assholes. Um, so, uh, like, for example, because I'm quiet, I'm perceived as not being intelligent. Uh, because I'm quiet, on the other hand, I'm perceived as being arrogant or, or a prick. I just don't like to talk unless it's expressing a, an opinion or educating or something worth saying. So, Peter Dinklage, you're not the only person in life with problems. You know, my natural personality, which is being a soft-hearted big baby, gets me ridicule and criticism. So, I can't help it that you're vertically challenged and you take uh, exception to or offense to Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, which is a fucking fantasy fairy tale story for little kids to be uh, entertained and inspired by. It's not for a grown-ass, however old you are, 40-year-old midget to be uh, like, oh, they're representing little people in a bad light. So let's read some of Peter Dinklage's words. He's a pretty nice guy from what I've heard. Uh, you know, but... And a very good actor. I mean, I really like his acting, but let's see here. So, headline, U.S. of A. today, again. Uh, Peter Dinklage pushes back against dwarves in the in new Snow White adaptation, Disney Responds. So, uh, during appearance... On a Monday episode of WTF with Mark Maron, M-A-R-O-N, podcast, the former Game of Thrones star told the host Mark Maron that remarking the story, or remaking, pardon me, remaking the story of Snow White is a step backward for media representation of dwarfism. Disney's adaptation directed by Mark Webb who cares uh, he says there's a lot of hypocrisy going on Dinklage said literally no offense to anything but I was 
a little taken back. They were very proud to cast a Latina actress as Snow White, but you're still telling the story of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Take a step back and look at what you're doing there. It, it's a story of how seven dwarfs save a princess from an evil prince, prince uh, from an evil queen. Uh, so Dinklage added, it makes no sense to me. Dinklage said that he, while he appreciates the inclusive, inclusivity of the film's casting, meaning that he appreciates the fact they cast a Latina girl to play Snow White. Uh, I don't care if Snow White is white, black, brown, or purple, as long as she's hot. I'm never going to watch this movie, so who cares? Uh, but the actress that's playing Snow White's actually a really uh, cool woman. Very attractive, very nice person, just like Peter Dinklage is. Um, so, okay. It says he still has trouble reconciling the insensitivity insens of the film's storyline towards dwarfs. The classic animated 1937 film, which I'm sure is about to get canceled, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, follows the tale of a princess named Snow White. Uh, I think she was, they use white because white represents purity and like virginity and femininity, feminine, fem, fem, whatever, you get my point. Uh, anyways. Who is Snow White, who is saved from the wrath of her evil stepmother by a, a group of dwarf miners. Miners, M-I-N-E-R-S, like people that work in a mine, not children. Uh, you're progressive on one in one way, but you're still making that backwards story about seven dwarfs living in a cave together. Well, it's a fairy tale they're not saying this is real life and this is how little people live their real lives it's a fantasy it's a fairy tale so here he goes on to say have I done nothing to advance the cause from my soapbox I guess I'm not loud enough dude you're a great actor you're recognized as a great actor. You're not recognized as a great midget actor or a great dwarf actor or a great little person actor. You're recognized as a great actor. Be content with that. It's a fairy tale. That's what fairy tales are. They're exaggerations and made up things. When the Snow White movie was cast, dwarfs were like a fictional thing. The word dwarf represented a fictional character. It didn't represent what we're now supposed, the people we're supposed to now refer to as, air quotes, little people. Little people back then were called midgets. They weren't called dwarfs. So, we all, everybody with an ounce of common sense, and evidently Peter Dinklage maybe isn't one, or maybe he's emotionally scarred and is trying to speak out for his uh, people, people with his, uh, the disability of dwarfism, or I, I, I don't know if me calling it a disability is a, offensive I don't know uh, but people with dwarfism or dwarfs or whatever I'm supposed to say now uh, he feels offended well we all know that you guys don't live in caves and that you're not all professional miners uh, I, I mean 
people just gotta lay the frick back you know yeah I made mistakes in my life that have caused me to be unhealthy and obese and I'm trying to fix that but you know I still have to sit here and listen to uh, assholes uh, that I respect but and they say it facetiously but people like uh, Tim Pool and Steven Crowder have said stuff like and they, they say it and then they apologize and take it back but they say well you know I'm a skinny, healthy, in-shape person who eats well and diets and, you know, uh, so if I'm not allowed medical treatment because I didn't get the vaccine, then maybe, you know, obese people shouldn't be allowed to get medical treatment either because they made the choice to be obese. So you're not the only person although you have no control over being short you're not the only person on earth that gets categorized or uh, labeled or told that you know there's a stereotype <laughs> towards you okay um it's just a it's just a fairy tale, Peter. It's just a fairy tale. It's just a fantasy. It's a made up story. Nobody looks down at dwarfs because of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, or I guess now they're just calling it Snow White. Maybe you should be a fact offended that the fact the dwarfs are left out of the title now and being pushed aside and downplayed and the the princess now has the whole title and the whole focus oh ha, ha. got you there Petey right off the top of my head didn't even pre-plan that thought well I'm a jackass anyhow let's move on so America's oldest fast food chain is canceling a beloved tradition. And no, it, actually, you know, when you hear America's oldest fast food chain, I thought this was about McDonald's. It's not. I forgot. I just watched the History Channel uh, documentary about this. Uh, the Foods That Made America... Wait a second. The first or one of the first, but certainly the eldest fast food chain in America is actually White Castle. <laughs> uh it says eat this not that I guess that's the name of the website that is reporting this uh, the headline is America's oldest fast food chain is canceling this beloved tradition if this is your tradition you might be a redneck as Jeff Foxworthy would put it this is Listen to this. <laughs> Are you ready? Are you ready? This is the first line in the article. If your idea of a perfect Valentine's Day outing includes being wined and dined by a beloved fast food chain, you may be out of luck. If you're whining and dining at White Castle hamburger joint 
you might be a redneck. You might, you might need to find a better Valentine's <laughs> Valentine than somebody that takes you to White Castle for supper. All right, <laughs> shit. Um, now this is stupid. The Omicron variant has thrown a wrench in this traditionally major night for restaurants. And America's oldest fast food chain has already announced it will be canceling its celebration of the holiday this year. So you cannot celebrate Valentine's Day at White Castle. Are you kidding me? If that was your Valentine's Day plan, get a divorce. Divorce him or her or whoever whoever made that date arrangement. Because you are living with the cheapest bomb there is. How much, how much is a White Castle hamburger? A quarter or something? I know my grandma told me a story that they were on a vacation and uh, my, my grandpa gave her his... Uh, it was called Sohio back then, but now I think it's part of the BP Empire. Well, they were traveling south, and there were no Sohios in the south. So they spent all their cash money, on gasoline. So on the way back, they only had like a couple dollars between them. Uh, my aunt and my grandmother and they saw a white castle sandwich store and the, they were like halfway home or almost home and they were really hungry and the kids were screaming and you know my grandma was probably beating them with her purse or something and uh, they saw white castles white castle and it was like 10 hamburgers for a dollar. You know, that was like, I don't know, a long time ago. Uh, maybe the 1980s, I don't know. But they got 10 sandwiches for 10 bucks. And that held them over till they got home. <laughs> it was a stupid story, sorry. But that's White Castle. And they're canceling. Valentine's Day, no VD celebration at White Castle. Sorry, you're going to have to take your girlfriend to a nicer restaurant. Or learn to cook shitty hamburgers at home. You know, you, you there's still a... You can still get hamburgers that are, you know, like 50% fat and only 50% meat. Uh, for like four bucks at the store if you shop at the right, you know, crappy grocery store. You know, cook at home. Cook, cook bad hamburgers at home, and you know, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Learn, learn to use the deep fryer. Gulp too much water there. Uh, so. I'm sorry that, uh, you know, it, this is just terrible. You know, this whole pandemic, this this evil Omicron, COVID, whatever we're on, variant, uh, it, it's just, it's ruining lives. Look at this. This is terrible. VD is now ruined. You can't take your love to White Castle because... The, the owners of the restaurant that's going to give you and your date diarrhea, it, it, they're canceling it because you might get a, a, a runny nose. I mean, that's what the Omicron variant is, even though Dr. Falsey and Joe Biden are making it out to be uh, the final nail in all our coffins. Uh, this is just ridiculous. Cracks me up. We're canceling VD because of uh, 
the Omicron variant. Let's read on here. White Castle said in a press release that it has ch chosen to forego its traditional in-castle Valentine's Day dinner, an in-person event that turns the chain's restaurant into, into fine dining establishments complete with hostess seating, tableside service, and festive holiday decor. We had hoped to take reservations this year, but out of an abundance of caution for our health and safety of our customers and team members, we decided the best thing to do is shift our focus onto an experience customers can take with them. So you can still uh, go to the drive through window with your date for VD and uh, if you really want that White Castle burger. Wow. I tell you, the, the, the world will never be the same. Well, that's it, folk. God bless y'all. Uh, pray for one another. Pray for mercy. Ask God in heaven to have mercy on our nation uh, and on ourselves. Uh, keep my family in prayer, please. Uh, we are going through a difficult time with uh, uh, some physical and mental illness issues. Uh, myself, my mother, and my stepdad uh, all have uh, some various either physical or mental uh, health issues. So, God bless y'all. Till next time, this is Big John on Americana, the American way. Enjoy life. Enjoy your life. Love, love, love your family and friends and dogs and cats and whatever the hell goofy pet you have. Till next time. Oh, and I promised to play you guys this little clip again. See if it stayed there. Thank you, Senator, for giving me an uninterrupted opportunity to represent the harm that is coming to the patients in the American hospitals and the lack of early intervention. My name is Nicole Sirotek. I'm a registered nurse. I've been a registered nurse for over a decade. My specialty is critical care, trauma, and flight. Um, since the start of the COVID pandemic, I've actually been rebranded, I guess you can say, as a leading expert in early intervention strategies executed on a large mass scale using the FLCCC protocol, as well as um, ventilator, uh, COVID patient ventilator protective strategies to optimize uh, COVID patients on the ventilators. My story actually begins back in May of 2020. I was one of the original nurses that went to NYC to help with the COVID pandemic, because as we remembered, they needed nurses. And most importantly, they needed ventilators. Well, I was the whole package, a flight nurse that can manage ventilators. And when I arrived there, um, the gross negligence and the medical, you know, malfeasance that happened in there and the complete medical mismanagement of these patients is what had led a, has led us to the situation that we're in right now. The pandemic and the hysteria that was created from poor public health measures and poor execution of appropriate early intervention strategies and the handicapping of medical professionals doing their job has led to where we are right now and into the crisis situation that we are in. I will use some several key case studies that will represent larger uh, descriptive statistical information for what I'm going to speak of. But when I was in New York, and what continues to happen today is that many of them are not dying from COVID. Now, many people don't know about me is that I'm actually a master's prepared biochemist, and I have worked extensively with the HIV uh, virus tracking uh, genetic mutations. So I feel very comfortable going toe-to-toe -to -toe with some of these doctors here, although I am not a doctor. I'm just a nurse. But what we saw in these front lines, we knew what was happening. And when we asked for the ibuprofen, they said, no, it was contraindicated. When we asked, like, why aren't we giving them steroids? Oh, well, it's not. We're just following orders. Following orders has led to the sheer number of deaths that has occurred in these hospitals. I didn't see a single patient die of COVID. I've seen a substantial number of patients die of negligence and medical malfeasance. 
Um, when I was on the front lines of New York, I'm unfortunately known uh, globally viral as the nurse that was in the break room sobbing, saying that they were murdering my patients. The pharmaceutical companies had gone into those hospitals and decided to um, practice, I guess you can say, on, on the minorities, on the disadvantaged, on the marginalized populations that we know that we had no advocates for because the very agencies that should have been protecting them were closed because we were sheltering in place. Now, while I was there and I saw that the pharmaceutical companies were rolling out remdesivir onto the patients, I tried to get a hold of the IRBs. I tried to get a hold of my appropriate chain of command. I tried CMS. I tried Department of Health. And they rolled out remdesivir onto a substantial number of patients for which we all saw it was killing the patients. And now it's the FDA-approved drug that is continuing to kill patients in the United States. As nurses, we've co collected a statistical or descriptive amount of information that you may not get from the doctors because for more, they do quantitative data. We do qualitative data with a humanistic, phenomenological approach in nursing research. And so we've collected the data from all of these patients across the country from which we have been helping patients because I formed the organization American Frontline Nurses and the Advocacy Network so nurses could advocate for these patients. And all of this data pool shows that as these patients get remdesivir, they have a less than 25% chance of survival if they get more than two doses. Now they're rolling it out on children as well and into the nursing homes or school nursing facilities as early intervention when as Dr. Dr. Pierre Corey and Dr. Merrick have already demonstrated that there are cost-effective medications out there, and we are going to see the amplification of death across our country. And we haven't even touched on the vaccines for which all of our expert panels have already very well described that situation, so I won't touch on that since many of them are by far superior to me than, than even I could ever hope to be. But I can tell you that two days ago, I, f I flew out my first 10-year-old with a heart attack, and I had to fight the doctor in the ER because he's like, 10-year-olds don't have heart attacks. And I argued back and forth for 30 minutes to force his hand to get an EKG to find out that he was had almost a complete STEMI, which is ST-elevated myocardial infarction, for which you could see it lit up on the 12-lead EKG. And he's like, well, that's not possible. And I'm like, well, he was just vaccinated yesterday. It is very much possible. At any given time, people are getting a hold of me and the nurse advocates at American Frontline Nurses to help advocate because, as you've seen, there is victim shaming that, it does, oh, it's anxiety, oh, it's this. But in actuality, if they put down that it was a vaccine injury, the physician, the corporation, the hospital, the clinic, they actually won't get reimbursed. So it gets labeled as anxiety or neuropathy or Guillain-Barre syndrome when in actuality it's very realistically a vaccine injury. Now, I'm not... Uh, even though I founded American Frontline Nurses, I've traveled extensively to South America, India, and South Africa, working in hot zones, stopping the spread of the virus, and working with early intervention. And nowhere in those countries, in developing nations, do I see these issues that we see here in the United States. It's actually, I'm a very proud American citizen. I come from a family of immigrants, and my mother told me that the United States is the, the best country in the world, though granted I am biased being an American. And our level of healthcare has been deteriorated to substandard third world nation healthcare. Whereas I tell people you are better off in South America in a field hospital than you are in level one trauma designer hospitals in the United States. As nurses, we are getting reports across the country from our American frontline nurses about patients not getting food, patients not getting water. How come a patient hasn't been fed in nine days? Why do I need to get a court order to force a hospital to feed a person who isn't intubated and who's literally telling you they would like food? Oh, well, you can't take your BiPAP mask off. Well, that's what us nurses are for. We're going to help you take that off and we're going to help you eat, but we're not allowed to. If you know if they're on a ventilator, they're not getting basic standards of care. I've had patients that haven't been bathed, haven't been fed, haven't been given water, haven't been turned. And if you ask me, this isn't a hospital. This is a concentration camp. Absolutely it is. Nowhere in the United States do we isolate people for hundreds of hours at a time with no human contact 
It's not even allowed in the prisons. You are not allowed to isolate a prisoner for beyond a certain extensive amount of time because it is, again, it is horrible for their mental health and is considered inhumane. However, in these hospitals now, we're allowed to isolate patients from their families for days and you have to say goodbye to them over an iPhone as Jennifer Bridges has just demonstrated to us or she has to shuttle people in to see and personally, I was fired for sneaking a Hispanic family in to say the last rites to their family. And so thank you, Senator Johnson, for giving nurses the opportunity to come and represent our patients. Because as you can see, we're not often thought of as uh, leading professionals, though we are the missing link between the doctors and the patients. So thank you so much for this time. Thank you for being a nurse.